Hey, it's Heidi Rain. Welcome back to another episode of Addiction and Codependency Breakthrough. We are so glad you're here today. We have a special treat. We have the Dougster, Doug the McGurk, uh, my hubby, my partner in crime, my partner in the world. And we are super excited because today we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about this idea of codependency as a love strategy. I don't think a lot of people understand codependency, first of all. Does it get a bad rap or is it, 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 is, is it a bad, it's not a bad rap? This. When you first heard the word codependent, what did you think? What what what's the very first thing that comes to your mind when you think the word codependent? Well, knowing what I know now, but the first time um I guess it, it, Since it sounds bad. Yes, it, it yeah. sounds bad. It sounds like like what I can't be alone. Okay, yeah, right. That's what a lot of people think. I can't be I'm by a, myself. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm a lone wolf in a but I need people, right? Mm. Like needy. That's what comes to mind when I think, when I used to think about codependency. You say, you're so Cody. Yeah, you're so Cody, like you're needy or whatever. But the truth is codependency, as we now know, has eight different faces, eight different flavors. And it's a lot of the times what we interpret as codependent is, is, uh, is the opposite of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, to see it in a new way, because how can you, you can't heal what you don't knowledge or understand or understand. So if you're like, well, I'm not codependent, you hear that and you think, nope, that's not me because you don't understand the definition of it. Then there's no chance that they're going to heal. And because there's such a, like a negative charge to it. And so it's actually a part of a stage of life in in many respects. Well, Douglas, since you're going to go there, let's talk about how codependency becomes a love strategy. When we're born into a family, we wake up, okay, when you're a little baby, all right, and you, you're you looking up at the world, okay, you're, you're a baby, oh, and you're, yeah, my, oh, no, you're, you're, yeah, you're looking up at the world, and you're like, you just born with this inherent sense of value and worth, yeah, right, you're like, you cry, and you just trust that your needs are going to get met, that, you know, uh, you, you know, it's like this, if I pooped in my own pants, now, or when you're, not right now, but if I did it when I was, well, maybe now I'll see how much you love me. But if I pooped in my pants as a baby, it's not like I'm gonna be like, hey, listen, dad, you know, last night I, I really had a big blowout. And uh, look, if you don't want to change my diaper today, because you gagged like three times, I saw you. It was really disgusting. I'm so sorry that happened. So listen, if you don't want to change my diaper today, I get it. I'm a, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't blame you, right? Or if a kid says, you know what? You didn't feed me last night. And I, I'm putting it together because maybe it was because I cried so much that you were mad at me. So this is what we don't imagine well, a baby doing. Right? Well, well, the other challenge is it works. But what I'm saying is if you are if you have all your needs met, you don't need a love strategy. Okay. So you grow into a normal dysfunction. Uh, dysfunction. <laughs> a normal dysfunctional family. Normal family. Family, right? yeah. <laughs> a normal functioning family. Your needs are going to get met. You don't have to think about how can I make you come into the room? What do I need to do to get your attention? And who do I need to be? You know, you're going to get fed no matter what. You know, you're going to have this, what John Bradshaw talks about that every adult and every child and every baby longs for is the face. The face to look into that holds a consistent, positive regard. That you look into a face and the face says to you, I see you, I love you, I accept you. And I sound like Stuart Smiley. Just a little bit there. And you're enough. And you're enough. (laughs) And darn it, people like you. Like you. Not all people, but some. (laughs) So when we don't have that, 
we then take on a love strategy. And we think about, well, being me doesn't seem to get my needs met, right? So I start to get the message around my house that who I am, and this can happen in dependence when you're born early on at the dependency stage or in independence. And we all want to when we're two years old, you know, we start to realize, oh my gosh, I'm not attached to the umbilical cord. Like I'm my own human. And you start to go off into the world and have your own experiences. And if you have a healthy parent, they encourage that. They want you to go track with boundaries and limits, but they, they allow you to do things. (laughs) Right. I'm like, run. Um, But if you have a parent that's not firing on all cylinders in any one of these phases, you don't make it through these phases successfully. And then you take a skirt, you take a pit stop to codependency. Well, and it's, it's pretty normal. I mean, I think everyone goes through the phase of codependency to some degree. Well, I mean, interdependence is where we're going. Where we're so, going. Yes, no, so, I'm saying just as a child, like you could have the healthiest relationship in the world, but there's going to be one day because I mean, everybody has these different patterns to it to varying degrees. Okay, and lots of people. You're bringing up such a great point. It's like who in the world isn't codependent, right? And just if we could look at some of the patterns, like I've created uh, an attachment personality pattern assessment. I've come up with eight different patterns that you can identify as a codependent. You can go to HeidiRain.com and take the test. And people might say, well, I can be controlling and I could be a pleaser and I could be a withholder and I can be all these things. And there's a level of normalcy with this, with this codependent kind of flavor. Like you have narcissistic traits instead of narcissistic personality disorder. You can have a flavor of codependent without being negatively impacted. But here's who we're talking to. We are talking to people who your codependency is negatively affecting your life. Your love strategies are not working. You are in relationships that are one-sided. You give and you give and you give and people take and take and take. Or you don't know how to receive. You're shut down. You don't know how to open up. You know you're controlling and you know it's ruining your relationship, but you don't know how to give it up and let it go. You see yourself pulling back and wanting to give love so much, but restricting, restricting and pulling away because you're scared to death that somebody's going to like hurt you. We see, we're talking to those of you that are clinging on for dear life. Now, that's the codependent that we help. Right. So if you're not feeling the the love you desire, this is a way to look at where that's coming from. How is that creating that the, the codependency patterns are what you use to fill that hole of exactly. Longing. So you so when you grow up in a normal family, you can have a little bit of these tendencies, but let's say your family is super dysfunctional. So I grew up, let's say that, you know, you grew up into a family where there's addiction, uh, alcoholism or gambling or apps or somebody was locked up or away or abuse, verbal, physical of all different kinds, or somebody was just hypercritical and abuse or narcissistic abuse. And you think about all these ways you grew up that these are my people, right? These are the people that we love to help. I think that that's what we're talking about as you look around and you go, man, who do I need to be in order to not just be loved, all right, but to be okay? Who do I need to be to be safe? And that's where it gets wired into your limbic system that this is like becomes a part of your identity and you think it's who you really are, but it's not. It's really who you've needed to be. And the flavors we learn, just to give you a couple of examples, and of course, like we said, you can go over to take the test anytime at HeidiRain.com, but maybe somebody learns early on, like, look, you know, my role in the family is dad's drunk and everybody's running amok. Oh, I get it. My job is to be a little parent here. 
I, I'm the hero in the family. I'm the fixer. It's my job in order for me to get love or be okay or survive in this dynamic. I need to be running to everybody's rescue and make sure everybody's okay. And when I do that, I don't get hurt as much, right? Things are okay. And I get some, well, I get some love. And because of love strategy. when you start to feel hurt, it's a way to avoid feeling hurt by going and fixing, by going and putting the focus on someone else, fixing that problem. And then there's a sense of, oh, okay, well, at least, all right, took, took care of that. And it's a way to avoid feeling some pain, I would think. Well, you would think because yeah, that's, that's your personality pattern. Yeah, you would think because you're talking about yourself. So <laughs> exactly. I had that pattern too. I mean, we all have touches of it and you will have a dominant pattern, you'll see. But, you know, but, but inherently you could say, well, I have a fixer pattern. What's wrong with that? You know, hey, I, I help a lot of people, right? My husband has this pattern. I help a lot of people. Uh, I know what needs done. I can see people's pain. I'm an empath. You know, I can, I want to right. intervene. Right, but are you the plumber with the leaky sink? Okay. Are you the plumber with the leaky sink? Are you fixing everybody else's stuff, but you're falling apart? Or are you constantly being taken advantage of? And then you get resentful because here you are giving and giving and giving, and people are taking and taking and taking. And there's no reciprocalness about this relationship. It's a one-sided succubus. And all you do is give and give, and they take and take. Others of us grow up and we learn that in order to survive our dynamic, nobody's nobody's worried about danger in the house. Sorry, right? there's this one kid that'll grow up and say, man, dad's going to light his cigarette on the kerosene heater again. And the last time he did that, he almost caught the house on fire or mom's nodding, you know, nodding out and falling asleep and she's driving the car, you know? So uh, what are we going to do? Well, this kid develops a love strategy of control. This is a kid that grows up, needs to be hyper vigilant. You've got to stay on guard. That's a survival skill. That's a great skill to have. But what happens to a person when they grow up with this pattern in relationships? They go bananas trying to control everybody else, trying to, they see something out of place. They see something that's not going the way they believe it should go. Then that becomes their method of relating. It becomes, this is what we're going to, this, this is my role is to make sure that everything goes the way it should. And that makes people crazy because yeah. like nobody can kind of like, you know, do anything chill. right, right? Or chill. Yeah. It's like you're constantly under surveillance and judgment. Do it that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, constantly being judged. Other people uh, grow up in an environment where they're like, you know, this person's hurting me. I have an alcoholic father or a, a, a narcissistic parent, but in order to be okay, I have to be, I can't leave their side. Because as long as I'm with them, it's going to be okay, right? If I'm with them, if I'm right next to them, there's like this emotional uh, enmeshment that happens. And then this creates loyalty where loyalty is undeserved. And then this person grows up and becomes like a stage five clinger. Well, and what happens there too is that there's there'll be enough times where there is positive feedback and reinforcement. So you go, oh, okay. If I just stay close, maybe one of these times I'm going to get that that get that smile, that love from from mom or dad. I'm going to get it, and then we never want to let go for fear of missing out on that opportunity to experience the the love we crave. So these are just like four of the different love strategies. Like we said, we've come up with eight different um, attachment, codependent attachment personality patterns. You can take the test for free. It does take about ten minutes. It's not like a which Cracker Jack are you or which Disney princess. I mean, it's it's a psychological assessment. It takes like ten minutes to take it. So, but when you get it, you'll get more insight. And we have a playlist here on our YouTube and on the podcast as well, that is about the different attachment personality patterns. So our commitment is to 
help you understand these patterns by unpacking each pattern. We're going to talk more about the origin of each pattern, uh, meaning how you became this way in the first place, how it plays out in your relationship dynamics. So you'll know if you can relate to this, you'll be like, you know what? I think I might be a fixer too. I, I, you know, how do you know? You have caseloads instead of friends. You know, you're you're constantly the one that you're the rock. You're the one that everybody turns to, but there's crickets when you need something. You also know you're a fixer if you're listening to this going, who of my people are one of these? You're trying to put them in one of the categories so, so that, that you, you can, can fix, fix them. them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, most of the fixers that I know end up in relationships with broken people, people that are addicted actively, people that are narcissistic, and their whole life's mission is to turn this person around. Now, these patterns are deep because underneath of that desire to fix something is if I fix it, I'm going to be okay. And if I'm okay, then I'm lovable and, and everything, and you're not going to leave me or you're not going to abandon me. So there's so much more, you know, most of us just stop at like attachment patterns. Am I anxious or anxious avoidant or dismissive avoidant? But really there are these, it's so much easier to understand your attachment trauma if you are identifying with one of these eight different personality patterns. That way we can really start to unpack where it came from. Like we said, we, there are checklists. We're going to be going over each checklist pattern throughout the next couple of weeks. So we're going to talk about how we might have enacted these patterns with our checklist. What have we done in order to enact these? Because here's the thing. How do we get here? Like, why are we sitting here giving you an education on your codependency? Okay, how do we have the microphone? We have a microphone. So that makes us legit. Um, I've, we dedicated our, well, I've dedicated my whole life to uh, specializing in codependency and addiction and the connection and the link with attachment and codependency and addiction and adult children of alcoholics. And I was born into that dysfunction and then it became just a just a fascination with me to figure it out. And as a result, I ended up working in treatment for over 10 years, teaching programming of codependency and coming up with my methods. And my husband has been a personal development junkie for like 40 years, so much so that he he worked alongside the best of the best. He was with Tony Robbins, one of Tony Robbins' right-hand man for many years, traveling the world with him and helping people transform their lives. So, I mean, we all get on the, the path when we realize something's not quite right. We yeah. want to, we, we're missing something. There's a gap. There's a, a challenge in our relationships. I mean, I, if you think about everything I did, I did really to improve my intimate relationships to get love yeah more all self-help more effectively you said that before like yeah. even if guys, like let's say more women are focused on self-help than men which i wish it wasn't the case but men don't turn to self-help to try to get more love what do they turn to football no 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 <laughs> men do boobs no. boobs what do men think is going to fix everything if women think self-help is the answer what do men think is going to fix everything What's their solution? I just need to what? So that I can, do you know? No. Yes, you, you, you say it all the time. I, do. No. I need to get a better car, have more money, oh, yeah. right? So yeah, the achievement. Well, the achievement. So that's when that's the barometer. And when, that's unfortunate because then people could be successful in one area of life and miserable still in their relationships or- Like women will go to self-help. They'll be like, you know what? I need to read this book. I need to understand the relationship. And men are like, I just need to make more money. I just need to be more successful. I need to achieve more. There were both achievers, right? One's achieving like a level of psychological consciousness or emotional maturity. And the other one is just trying to make enough so that they'll be wanted and adored. And we're all on the same path. We all have these love strategies. And if they worked, 
That'd be really cool. There'd be no problem. We wouldn't be sitting here. But why we're sitting here is because we have helped hundreds of people over the course of the last 15 years that we've been together as, as a team and as partners in life that these love strategies are killing people. We work with, with some of the most successful people on the planet, people that you would look at and you would go, what do you need us for? Because you have everything else. You know, you want to, you want to go somewhere, you want to fire up the private plane. Not a problem. I'm not saying that that you have a private plane, but you know, you can imagine somebody, right, with all the resources in the world. And at the end of the day, the reason they come to work with us to one of our seminars or our retreats or our programs is because they have everything except the one thing they want the most, which is that face that looks at them with unconditional, consistent, positive regard. That I see you, I love you, I accept you, I'm so grateful for you. And at the end of the day, that's what we're all here kind of hustling for and scrambling for. And to remind you that that that's okay to want that. I think that that, that people have gotten almost resigned sometimes and just to... Like, you know, you don't have to be resigned. You don't have to just give up on that and settle for. Yeah, because don't you think though that people that feel that way are like they don't they don't really want to do that, but it's res- resignation. Yeah, yeah, they're just they're they're like, well, well what are you going to do? And unfortunately, sometimes people find themselves in an environment where everybody's like that. So then they get their connection and notice this. Do you get your connection complaining about your relationship to someone who has a similar crappy relationship? So now you're getting your affirmation, you're getting the connection. So you're getting a substitute as opposed to an actual healing of the relationship that you really long for. And unfortunately, people actually get addicted to the complaining to the people they can complain to. Because again, they feel face, right? They feel the connection. So the face, the type of face matters that you have reflecting back at you, or they're reflecting back the the sadness and 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 encouraging more of the same, or are they calling you to a higher position in your life, a higher um, place for you, a seat at a table where you're the head of that table, you're the king, you're the queen of the banquet, and and you have your heart's desire, and you, you deserve it, co-creating and you know you deserve sharing. it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, think about it, it's like, I, even when I, even when I travel, when I, I get to watch a movie on the plane, and, and I'm always like, oh, wish Heidi or Heidi and Ellie were here, like, <laughs> And then I'll, I'll even if it's a good movie, we'll, we'll watch it together. It's like, oh, I just yeah. watched this movie. Let's watch it, right? And that's the that that connection, that bond. Excuse me, is so important. And when I, we don't have it, and we settle, then it's like killing yourself with a butter knife. Yeah, there's not- the, the most important decision you're going to make in your life is who you do life with. And some of you are in relationships where you're trying to get, apply these love strategies, and you're like, you're scratching your head. You're going, this worked when I was seven. Hey, wait, this worked when I was 12. This made dad, you know, I this made our house functional or this got me through. But you're looking at Bob and he's he's going to the garage every night and drinking and disappearing from the family, or or you're looking at the computer to see the search history to see what so-and-so was looking up, or somebody's addicted to their phone and they're constantly, you know, that's what addiction and codependency is about. It's about our inability to bond to each other in meaningful, real, authentic ways. And because we don't know how to bond to each other anymore, we bond to a substance instead, or we bond to a behavior instead. And that's addiction. Addiction is an attachment issue. And, well, you know, I was just thinking, and the good news is, in, in many respects- Oh yeah, what's the, the good, good news, news Doug? Because yeah, right? I- <laughs> <laughs> is there good news? There's good news. Yes, there's good news. So 
because as you're sharing that, I was just thinking and realizing that th there may be some people who pre-COVID things seem to be okay. And not to date this, but like it's a re it's a reality that that maybe things you were kind of okay with the way things sort of were, but under the pressure of what happened during COVID and all the time together, we started noticing more and and started decompensating to some degree. So there may be part of you that's kind of going, man, I wish it was the way it was because some new patterns may have formed because they of it. started drinking in COVID. They started self-medicating. They lost started their purpose. The, yeah. They started, all started those things. smoking. The, oh, that didn't look like smoking. Okay. If you anyway. listen to this on the podcast, you can imagine. So, so, I, I, so point being, the good news is on twofold. One, that if you had a more fulfilling relationship in the past, we can absolutely get, get that a better back. shot. We could get it right back to where it was by understanding what are some of the ways things went awry. The other thing is, if it's always been a problem, well, let's help you understand what... Can it be fixed? Because so, so many people want to know, like, can this be fixed? We can help you figure that out, obviously. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you got to get off the fence. If that's you're going to live your best question. life, you can't sit on the fence. So, yeah. so many people want to know. What does fixed mean? Can this work? So go over to HeidiRain.com. Step one, take the assessment. We, we put that free assessment up there for you. You can take it and figure out which uh, love strategy you're employing uh, in order to you know, in this relationship. And then the second thing is, if you already know, man, I'm really picking up what they're laying down. I'm smelling what they're stepping in. I just need to get some answers now. You can go ahead and book a 90-minute strategic coaching session, which is laser-focused and dedicated to hearing your entire story, asking the right questions to get the right answers to help you navigate and figure out exactly what you should do, give you the step-by-step -step guidance, expert support so that you leave with a crystal clear understanding of what your next steps are and you feel supported in the process. So if you know you want to cut through all this rigmarole and just go book, get your hot little hands on an appointment now because they fill up very fast. Okay. Um, we love you. Who you are and who you aren't. And we will see you in the next episode. And until then, take excellent care of yourselves. We'll see you soon.